From the US to Europe, an international podcast breaking down structured credit one tranche at a time. Welcome to The Last Tranche, Credit Flux's bi-monthly podcast discussing CLOs and all things structured credit. I am your host and reporter with Credit Flux, Hugh Minch. Hello and welcome to a new episode of The Last Tranche. My name is Hugh Minch, I'm a reporter with Credit Flux and I'm joined today by Olga Chernova, Chief Investment Officer and Managing Principal at Sankus Capital Management. Olga, thank you for joining us. Hello, hi Hugh, thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to our conversation. Me too. So you're one of the earliest backers of what's now known as electronification in the CLO market. Uh, the movement to modernize deal flow and trading using technology that's recently gained a lot of traction. Uh, for our listeners, and perhaps especially for those who don't trade CLOs directly, why is, electri- why is electronification necessary and just how, just how inefficient is the way the current market operates? So just to take a step back, CLOs are very complex uh, products. Uh, this is a pool uh, that is usually backed from anywhere from you know, 150 to, to 300 leverage loans. So they're complex instruments and typically, uh, traditionally, I think CLOs were traded as a part of the broader strategies by credit investors. But in the last few years, the market has grown tremendously. There are funds that are dedicated to CLO trading, which of course increases the the velocity of trading and puts execution in question. Traditionally, CLOs have been traded uh, via BVIX, um, which is uh, bids wanted in comp. And they transacted still to this day in extremely manual, inefficient manner. To send a BVIX uh, in a traditional way, uh, an investment professional can spend anywhere cumulative from, you know, three to four hours. You usually send out a BVIX, you get requests, very frequently you get requests Uh, from documents, for CLO documents. You have to send these documents to somebody and this is where the problems begin. You start by having a complete uh, apocalypse of your mailbox uh, trying to get uh, 300 page indentures uh, out to your counterparties. Then on the day of the B week, uh, you get bombarded by levels uh, that are being received through multiple dealers. The market has uh, 30 plus broker dealers that are currently trading secondary CLOs making markets. So you start getting pinged in various sources, something you on Bloomberg, some on your cell phone, some receive, send you email messages. So just aggregating this all together, making sense of it, seeing who is first is very, very cumbersome process. Um, and then you get to uh, distribution of what is called color, which is posting people uh, on where the trade has occurred. And that is part of the process, you know, as well. So all in all, uh, it can take you up to several hours just to trade a couple of bonds, which is why electronification is really important. Um, it's starting to be a roadblock for people having larger positions and being able to to have a turnover and access liquidity. I can't imagine what your email inbox must look like after that whole process. It's a, it's something that uh, I think investment professionals are dreading and you're trying to trade as infrequently as possible, which is, if you think about this, is probably quite the opposite from what, uh, you know, the bankers would like us to do. Yeah. And I've, I've, I, what, what I've been hearing from other people who, who trade CLOs is that this process hasn't really been modernized not not for over a decade, not since before the financial crisis and perhaps going back even further. 
Yes, absolutely. This is exactly the same process that people used for the past uh, for, the, for the for the past twenty years. And and CLO uh, market has a lot of very seasoned professionals. You know, a lot of us have been doing this um, for this twenty plus years. And I think one of the things that we often um, hear from people is that there is really kind of uh, not a need for change, right? We've been doing it like this for twenty years. So why 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 change, right? And um, this reminds me of experience I had uh, with my mother 10 plus years ago uh, when I first gifted her an iPhone. Uh, it was the first version of an iPhone when it when it just came out. Uh, and she literally cried. Uh, she said, you know, Olga, how, how, how can you do this? I'm your mother. How, how can you gift something like that to someone you love, right? Um, it was a gift that was completely free, but she was in tears. You know, I was very proud of her that, uh, you know, she took a step and finally, you know, wiped the tears and learned it. But you can think about it that, you know, had she not done so, she would have missed a decade, you know, of enjoying photos of her grandkids, printing, you know, books from Google Photos, whatnot. She is a very proficient user now. She can't uh, go anywhere without her iPhone, but this all... Uh, uh, would not be a part of her experience uh, had she not taken that first step uh, of trying something new. And that very much reminds me uh, of the CLO market. So talking of the iPhone, there's a lot of financial asset classes, the stock market most obviously, where you can open an app on your iPhone and just be able to trade there. More closely related to CLO, say other credit asset classes, how does the process or the progress of electric electronification compare? corporate bonds have uh, embraced it really well. There is a number of platforms. There is market access. There is uh, trade web. There is through me. I think the last statistics that I have seen uh, on the market is there is uh, uh, over 40% of investment grade paper in corporate bonds is trading, traded, traded on a variety of electronic platforms and close to 30% of high yield. So this has really made strides. I think for CLO market, it's even more relevant because you know, corporate bonds, if you think about it, they're relatively simple instruments compared to CLOs. So you want most of your time to be spent on the analysis and you want to minimize the, the, the effort that you're spending on, on, on actually execution. So I think it's, you know, electronification, if anything, is even is, is even more relative, relevant for CLOs. So it's from what you said earlier, it sounds like they know the way that uh, CLOs are historically traded. They, they're, they're familiar with it. Why do you think CLO specifically have been slower to adapt to new technological developments than other asset classes? It is hard to say. I think, you know, in some of the other asset classes, there has been a lot of focus on best execution. Uh, usually, as I mentioned, you know, in the past, I think most of the CLOs were kind of a small allocation among the vehicles that, you know, maybe had a broader, much broader mandate, right? And so if you kind of had, if you were trading 5% or 10 percent of your portfolio in CLOs, and if you didn't have the most efficient execution, maybe you could kind of just, you know, I don't know, close your eyes on that, or there wasn't as big of a, uh, as big of a push. I think in the last few years, uh, there have been a number of uh, funds that have been set up that are specifically dedicated to the CLOs. There's also more sophisticated investors. There's a number of pensions that are entering into the space that um, have been very focused in other classes on making sure that they 
investment professionals that manage money on their behalf do pay attention to you know to the best execution. So I think it also potentially uh, something that needs to be driven by investors. And as we have more dedicated pools that do nothing but CLOs uh, and are focused on uh, making sure that um, they do have the best, most competitive process available to them, as we probably will see more focus on uh, electronification. And are there any market participants that perhaps have a vested interest in the status quo or the way that CLOs are traded now? I mean, we've heard people in the past say the product's too complicated, you know, it shouldn't be done by computers or it's too relationship driven. Uh, what's your response to some of those arguments? Well, I think relationships in the CLO market are very important, but I think what um, people might be mistakenly uh, thinking is that technology is there to take those relationships away. That is completely not true. We've actually experimented with a protocol uh, that Copentech had put uh, in place called Life Bidding. And this is the protocol that allows to have zero interaction and chats uh, with, with with the market participants. Uh, so you would think that we would actually not, not be talking to anybody. However, it was quite the opposite. We had time to be talking um, you know, with market participants and with dealers about what they're bidding, why they're bidding there, what the right level for the bond should be. So it actually freed us up uh, because it, it, it cleared the path. Nobody needed to spend time on relaying the price and saying, oh, we are 98 and a quarter. Okay, well, now we are improving now to 98 and a half. We were freed from all of that. We could enter the price. The dealer could enter the price. We all saw the same level, right? It freed us up to actually have a more meaningful conversation about value and where it should be trading rather than, you know, just relaying the level. So I think people also are mistakenly thinking that technology is there to take away the relationships. While I think actually technology is there to enhance the relationships. So let's talk about um, some of the initiatives. Just um, we, we started hinting at them, but um, for, for, so first of all, we have the applicable margin reset um, or AMR. So if any of our listeners aren't familiar, could you explain what the product is and what inefficiency it's designed to solve? Sure. So this was something that we innovated uh, with a few years back. Um, our uh, the, the goal was, uh, as a majority equity investor, we were focused on the fact that when you're trying to do a refinancing, the traditional refinancing involves actually destroying the old securities and issuing new ones, uh, which is usually very costly. You um, you have to pay again for issuance, you have to put in legal documents, you have to rate the securities again, and uh, of course you have to have a, a higher, uh, an underwriter to issue them. We looked towards the auction rate security market for inspiration that is able to reset the rate without um, destroying the original QCIPs. And we basically said, you know, why can't something like that be applied to CLOs? And so uh, this effectively moves the refinancing process from primary market to secondary, where the rate, the new rate is determined via an auction. Uh, very similar, you can think about it as a, as a giant BVIC, you know, on the full capital stack. And as long as uh, there is sufficient interest uh, to clear the tranche, that the tightest level that clears the tranche becomes the becomes the new coupon. So that's a, that's that's the process of AMR. But you can uh, just basically think about it as multi-dealer online refinancing 
uh, for CLOs. So a few of these AMR refinancing uh, transactions have already taken place on the on the digital platform that you've set up. Um, could you talk talk a little bit about what that process has been like and some of um, some of the deals that have been done? Uh, yes, yeah, sure. So we had uh, used this platform to uh, refinance four uh, of the positions uh, where we held ma- held majority interests. Uh, we it has been very very successful from our perspective. All the auctions were more than three times oversubscribed. Some of the tranches were up to seven times oversubscribed. It was very interesting for us to see that this platform does actually enable syndication process for AAAs. I think. A lot of uh, CLO investors are very used to hearing that you absolutely need an anchor for AAAs. With AAA tranches being over three times oversubscribed, uh, actually proves the contrary point. Um, it is very possible the market is mature enough uh, and ripe enough where you you can use an electronic platform and uh, achieve a very broad um, very broad syndication. So we have been uh, extremely pleased with the results that we have achieved so far. Of course, uh, you know, uh, electronic refinancing cannot perform a miracle, right? If the market is moving away from you and the refinancing is no longer possible, it's not something that the electronic platform would be able to accomplish. But this has been a great option for us. It was one of the uh, auctions that, you know, we were in the same, in that situation that I just described when the market was moving away from us. But it was literally very similar to kind of uh, a BVIC situation where we just said, okay, well, it DNTs. Um, the electronic platform uh, that we use, Copentech, doesn't charge uh, any fees for the auctions that don't clear. So it was literally, you know, a free option for uh, for the equity investor and uh, the manager. So we were very pleased with that. So if we look back to when you were launching this new product and you're reaching out to counterparties, I suppose going back to what we were talking about at the start of this podcast, um, to do with this market's not necessarily always been quick to adopt new innovations such as this. Uh, What was the history of getting counterparties on board with AMR first as a concept and then later as a reality? Well, I think in the beginning, there was some skepticism. I think, you know, that's no longer, uh, I think there's so far, you know, now currently there's very few skeptics left um, with four auctions, again, an oversubscription. I think that we have proven that this is, uh, you know, a very robust process that that works. There's 16 dealers that I believe, you know, Copentech has on the platform right now. And if you are in the process of joining, so this is the broadest syndication that is available in the CLO market. I know, you know, in, in, in the past, a lot of managers have looked to Golden Tree with a lot of envy when they used uh, two or three dealers for the syndication of their deals. While this platform allows for accessing liquidity from, from the 16 members, you know, hopefully uh, there would be soon a time when everybody's on the platform, right? And we can really see the power of, uh, of a true syndication. And related to that, you also have the electronic BWIC system as well for the traditional secondary market trades um, beyond just beyond the um, beyond the secondary market refinancing platform too. Copentech offers a product uh, that is focused uh, on uh, on secondary on secondary market. We have uh, been users uh, of their platform ever since it was launched. Uh, we've uh, experimented. We like technology. We've experimented with uh, every single protocol that uh, that they offered. Again, our favorite, my favorite, absolute favorite, from what they have 
uh, implemented has been live bidding. And just to describe what it is, it's a protocol that has two stages. The first stage is uh, absolutely blind, right? And during the first stage, uh, what you do, you usually as a seller, you have an option to set it up in a very customizable fashion, but you can uh, invite X number of dealers to the next uh, stage where the, the levels would be absolutely live, just like on the New York Stock Exchange. Why is it done this way? It really has done so that you would shorten the time that the average BVIC takes. If you think about an average BVIC, very often people start with very low bids, knowing that this will be multi-hour process. They will have multiple opportunities to improve. They start very, they usually start very low. Well, you know, this is all fine, but this is very inefficient. You know, do all of us really want to spend multiple hours, you know, kind of going through the process. So the question is, how do you incentivize uh, a bidder to cut to the chase and show, you know, something that is reasonable to begin with and, uh, you know, not uh, force all of us to spend hours and hours glued to our screens? Well, you know, the one way to do it is to only allow X number of people, top bidders, uh, into the second round, Round, all right? In, in the second round, you reward people with the ability to see life levels. So, you know, I personally find it extremely innovative, right? This is like, you know, New York Stock Exchange for CLOs. Uh, you actually see the levels. Uh, all the dealers who are accepted in that round also see the levels. So again, there is, you know, kind of a zero need to communicate. And then the second round is set up in such a way that uh, there is a timer. It, it, it then starts become very similar to, you know, high-end art auctions, right? Where uh, you see the first level uh, once the second round opens and as long as there is an improvement the timer is reset right and again the seller controls the the the, the time you can set it up for 10 minutes, you can set it up for 15 minutes, you can set it up for five minutes, you know, obviously trying to figure out, you know, kind of how to optimize uh, uh, your execution, you know, in terms of the time that you're willing to spend uh, on your BWICs and how easy you think would be for your counterparties to, to reach the final clients, right? But we absolutely love that process. I think, you know, in the beginning, uh, as Copentech platform was onboarding dealers, it was a little bit difficult for us to use. Um, we were finding that, you know, originally when there were three or four people on the platform, we were giving up a little bit of liquidity. Now with 16 dealers on the platform, I think things are very different. I think the efficiencies uh, of what this protocol offers, you know, greatly outweighs the, you know, maybe not having the access to all 33. Um, and Similarly to that, um, in a recent development last month, um, City and Bank of America have also launched a new product also for bringing the electronification to um, CLO trading. Um, it's not much information is currently public, but its code name is Project Octopus. Uh, what's your general take on this development? Amazing, fantastic. You know, finally, uh, somebody else is, uh, you know, trying to do the same thing that we've been trying to do. I, look, I think as an investor, we will be um, part of any electronic platform that is available, Copentech, Octopus, anything else that comes up, um, right? I think we owe it to our investors to do the due diligence on all of these platforms and figure out the best way, um, the best way to trade 
trade. I think longer term, it's very likely that there is probably multiple platforms uh, as uh, as there are in the other markets that where you know that might be accessed. And we absolutely looking forward to being part of anything that you know that the market has to offer. I think it's very interesting that the the dealers themselves you know uh, are saying very similar thing to the investors that the BVICs are very difficult, very inefficient. We've done a lot of, you know, kind of data analysis and digging into this. This is the only market where in the upward trending market on a busy date, you actually have the high percentage of DNTs, meaning did not trade, right? Usually you don't have this in any other market, right? Uh, when the market is trending up, you usually realize the highest volumes of trades. What does the high percentage of DNTs tell you in the upward trending market? It's just that dealers are not able, physically not able to get to all the BVICs. You know, from our own experience, you know, most of those days are coinciding with Wednesdays and specifically Thursdays. It's uh, it's very difficult to trade securities. Those are the favorite days, days for, for everyone to transact. And I don't know, again, and if it, you know, Fridays are probably people want to take it easy. Mondays takes a while for people to get going. Those, the Wednesdays and Thursdays are the heavier days. And you see how the DNTs spike on those days, which just means people are, the, the current market structure is not able to serve the market, right? Because that's, that should not be happening in the environments where the market is trending up. Do you think the pandemic has affected the movement towards electronification, especially with a year of most of the industry participants working from home. Has that pushed people towards um, digital platforms or do you think it's slowed that process down? What's your view? Um, I think uh, yes and no. I think in the beginning, it probably uh, you know did not push people towards uh, towards the technology. Um, in in a sense that I think the the market was really panicking and they were trying to understand what it means for CLOs, right? Would people have a job? Is this really you know the last trade on on the way out? Usually, people are not inclined to innovate during the the times of stress. It was very interesting that. For for example, at the same time, the trading volumes actually go through the roof. So I think, you know, if electronic trading was already an established way of uh, conducting business, it would have actually really helped the market participants. But it's not usually the right time to learn to learn something new during the time of stress. I think afterwards, um, absolutely, as people are looking at different technologies, you know, we'll see, you know, I'm not sure how uh, the, the Octopus platform is set up. But, uh, you know, based on our experiments with Copentech, uh, it's been super helpful to us. We're still all working from home. Uh, so we're all in various locations, but uh, the platform makes it so easy to collaborate online. Our watch lists online, any portfolio manager that creates a watch list, you know, the, the, the same information is uh, um, readily available instantaneously uh, to all team members. Um, it also has been very helpful to me during pandemic that the watch list get uh, email alerts. You know, the working from home 
having Bloomberg on all the time, you know, has been eating the broad broadband for the whole household. So I, you know, I think some some people may not be, you know, glued to BVIX uh, to to Bloomberg's as much as they have been when they were in the offices. So having an alternative of receiving email updates and alerts, you know, over uh, over email has been uh, hugely 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 helpful. Again, you know, things where you know we would not need the you know for our BVIX in the past. Uh, we had spreadsheets and had it, you know, kept them on the shared file. The fact that we don't even need to do this now and everything is hosted, you know, on the platform and this is accessible uh, 100% web-based without having to download the software, I think has been um, a huge help, you know, during the pandemic. So I think as people are assessing, and hopefully we don't have to deal with this, but I think as people are preparing uh, and assessing risks of, you know, future pandemics and potential to deal with similar situations that we've just gone through, I think the focus on platforms that one don't require software installation to keep you, you know, allow your instantaneous uh, collaboration online would definitely be something that people favor. So finally, just thinking about the future of electronic within CLOs. Um, are the days of work of trading over email and telephone up or beyond that? Do you think there's other segments of the market where there's inefficiencies that could be solved through technology? I think there's a lot of inefficiencies that could be solved, uh, you know, uh, via technology. Um, you know, documentation is one area. Uh, you know, we, um, as, 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 as the market knows, people spend enormous amount of time during the new issue negotiating the documents. People hardly have any time to um, look at the documents when they're, tr- when they're trading secondary. So I think technology could be a great help there. Uh, I know for us on the value side, um, technology could be very, very helpful as well. You know, just receiving the uh, the valuations from uh, from a number of different services as an asset manager, we do notice very much, very often that some capital structures are, you know, are literally overvalued, right? If you would take up the 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 sum of all the tranches, there it actually exceeds the nav of the deal. Yet the other tra- the, the other capital structures are completely undervalued, right? And this is where this kind of ma- manager tiering is coming in, where perception-wise, certain capital stacks are, are undervalued, where every single tranche is valued. Uh, you know, the sum of them would be valued significantly below the 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 collateral, right? Even when you adjust for the manager manager fees and all other expenses, so I think to us as an investment firm, opportunities like that are super interesting. We would love to be able to capitalize on that, right? If it was uh, CDX markets and tranches, you know, you would go and buy all the tranches of the undervalued, um, you know, uh, of the undervalued structures. Um, again, for CLOs, this is uh, you know far in the future. We do need in order to have a lot of really interesting trading and investment strategies in the CLO market, we need to first resolve execution. And I think then it, it unlocks almost uh, uh, a sky high of different potentials for, 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 for various trading strategies. Olga, thank you so much for joining the last tranche today. Really appreciate it. And that was a really interesting conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed this. Thank you for listening to the last tranche. If you like our show and want to know more, subscribe to Credit Flux and follow us on social media. Please leave comments, rate, like, and share our content.